Well, that music means it's Friday morning, and it's time for us to talk with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Good morning, Vaughn. Good morning, Simi. Are you guys prepared for perhaps a little bit of snow over there? Uh, we never have snow in Victoria. Really? Um, yeah, there's only one snow shovel in town, and uh, we pass it around among ourselves. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it takes a while. Normally, uh, if it does snow here, uh, we just uh, hunker down and wait for it to melt. Uh, sometimes that can take days, but that's just how we respond. So even though it does snow every once in a while, you guys still maintain that it never snows there. Yeah, that's right. That's basically it. Right. You know, uh, I get it. that's that's Victoria's Denial. story on damn near everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> We're isolated from the rest of the real world and pretty damn smug about it, actually. Okay, well, good luck with all that. Um, we'll yeah. talk to you about that on Monday and see how that went. Uh, let's talk about what's going on in the news. BC's oldest paper mill is closing. What is going on? This is a pretty disturbing story, really, when you look at the the details. So Powell River, the, the, the paper mill there is more than 100 years old. It was British Columbia's first paper mill. And it's been the mainstay of major payroll uh, employment, family-supporting jobs in Powell River uh, for almost as long as there's been a Powell River. It's the announcement this week is indefinite closure, but the mayor of Powell River, Dave Formosa, says the head of the company told him, you're never going to see paper coming off this site again. It's the end Ooh. of the line. 200 jobs right now, but uh, there were as many as 400 people working there as recently as uh, before the pandemic. So this is like this is a turn the page uh, moment, not just for Powell River, but really for the forest industry in British Columbia. It sounds like, well, what is the minister saying about this? Well, you know, you get the press release from the minister. Of course, she's sympathetic, uh, naturally, you'd expect. Um, and then you get, oh, well, you know, the company says it's because of uh, changing markets, uh, declining markets around the world. Well, there are still a lot of places in the world where they're buying paper, right? The The problem isn't that there's no markets. The problem is that the B.C. forest industry, for all kinds of regulatory reasons and tax reasons and other reasons, is the high-cost producer. And when markets get squeezed, the B.C. mills get squeezed first. So that's the first thing. Well, the second thing that uh, Minister Conroy says is, well, you know, uh, she talks about bridging and early retirement and relocation of the workers and retraining. Um, that's It's good to know that that's there. In the past, when the industry has been through transitions, that hasn't always been there. So that's good. But to me, Simi, the language of retraining, relocation, early retirement is, again, the language of a sunset industry. It's not the language of an industry that has a great future in British Columbia. See, that's what I wonder about this then, Vaughn, because, you know, forestry has such a, a, an indelible history in British Columbia, and I wonder if at some point the government has said it's not the future. Well, or that they're not willing to make the changes necessary to give it a future. And well, there's a lot of stuff that has to be dealt with, uh, First Nations and environmental rules and all that. Um, the 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 thing about this is though, Simi, is that you know this is there's two tracks going on here, right? There's the government. This government is changing forest legislation in dramatic ways. Uh, changes around old growth and legislation that's changing the tenure rules, whereby big companies get access to timber. 
and they've changed the compensation rules. So when the government takes back the timber, it has changed its risk of having to pay huge compensation. So that's all being done by the government, and the government is so determined to do it, Simi, they cut off debate on the legislation last week. So we haven't even had proper debate on the implications of this. So while this is going on, you're getting BC companies, to me, sending signals. So in the middle of this debate on the NDP legislation, Interfor, a BC company, announces it's investing half a billion dollars in seven sawmills, but not here in British Columbia, in eastern Canada. This week, West Fraser closes the deal, $300 million to buy a state-of-the-art sawmill where in Texas. So the companies, it, it, one thing that's really stood out during this legislative change by the NDP is that BC companies haven't said a hell of a lot about it. They've been relatively silent. And I think that's because they see it as a waste of time talking to the New Democrats. The New Democrats have made up their minds for ideological reasons. They don't much like the big companies anyway. And they're just charging ahead and so the companies are taking their dollars and they're going somewhere else. And, you know, that means huge transition for the industry. I don't know. We don't really know what it's going to look like at the end of this. There may be First Nations that get access to the timber that make new partnerships and we get new investment. But at the moment, there's some pretty disturbing signs coming from the existing industry in British Columbia. Let's also talk about that booster shot issue, too. I know that NACI is expected to release some booster shot guidance this morning. We're just waiting for that, and I'm sure provinces are, too. I think we are, and uh, I hope it's encouraging in terms of BC changing its schedule for booster shots. Uh, BC, uh, you had Adrian Dix on with you this week, and BC is still sticking to the established view based on older research that six to eight months is a reasonable wait between your second dose and your booster shot. Big study out of the UK today in The Lancet, which says that booster shots given Two or three months after the second dose, uh, 25 25 times increase in um, immunity, in uh, in antibodies, in people who've had the two AZ shots, and I know that's you, and eight times increase in antibodies for people who've had Pfizer or Moderna. So this is new research and... One hopes that when new research comes along, and as credible as this, The Lancet is a top medical journal, uh, BC goes, well, you know, we may have to think, rethink the interval. Uh, I hope they do. I think the evidence is growing that earlier boosters will help hold off uh, the risk, especially the risk associated with Omicron. Right. I do get the sense it's going to be a pretty big announcement. I mean, there's a technical briefing at 8 o'clock our time and then a briefing with the health officials and government ministers at 11. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, look, we've never been here before. I think you accept there's going to be changes. Uh, You accept that as the research is updated, the the changes will be incorporated. Uh, Ontario and Alberta have already moved more quickly than British Columbia on boosters. But, yes, I think we wait and see later today uh, what the NACI thing is and then what BC's response is. As I say, it doesn't surprise me that as the research changes, 
your schedule and your rollout changes as yeah. well. I think that's as it should be. I think so too. Vaughn, thank you. Bye-bye. Have a good weekend. That's Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun.